Hey, I'm excited to continue this series today. Today we're in part two of I Do. And we've been talking about marriage. And before I get any further, i got to make sure I mention two things. Uh, first one is our newcomer's dinner is tonight at 5. Somebody's excited. I like that, right? Hey, hey so here's the deal. Uh, this is for anyone who's looking to find out more about Refuge, you're looking to have some, some questions answered. Maybe you're curious about serving, right? Uh, and some of you guys are thinking, because it's called a newcomer's dinner, uh, I'm not like a newcomer, like I've been a handful of times, or maybe you've been for a, a long time. Uh, here's the deal. Here's how you know if this is for you. If you've never been to a newcomer's dinner, it's for you, right? I don't, we don't care how long you've been coming. If you've never been, this is for you. The only thing that we ask is that you RSVP so we can prepare accordingly. So if you would text BBQ to 405-777-4637. That's our way of knowing you're going to be there. Uh, we want you to be there. It's going to be a fun evening, and we would love for you to be a part. Uh, the second thing I want to remind everyone of is this. Uh, last week we challenged everyone to write uh, their prayers for their spouse, write a prayer for your spouse every single day in this little journal. You guys got one. If you missed last week, there are a bunch of extras of these uh, in the shelves in the lobby. And what we would love for you to do is continue to do that throughout this series, uh, to pray for your spouse. Uh, the, there's several studies, and they basically show this couples who pray together stay together. And so uh, I just want to remind you, don't forget to pray for your spouse each and every day. And, and to write it down in this journal as a way to look back and to see how God moves in your prayers. And here's the thing, it's amazing how tender your heart becomes uh, when you are praying for someone. And I know sometimes that the people that we are closest with, the people that we love the most, those tend to be the people that hurt us the most because we have a lot into them. We are encountering them. And I think prayer is oftentimes a good way to make our hearts soft where we become callous. So prayer is an amazing way to do that. And today what I want us to do is I want to get our hearts ready uh, to receive what God has for us in his word. So if you just put your arms out, palms up, just a posture of uh, surrender. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near uh, as the air we're breathing. God, today would you guide us closer to you. Help our minds to put away the, the frustrations of this past week, to put away the distractions of the coming week. Oh God, we want to fully focus on you. You know, we come empty uh, with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move in here with power today. Uh, we believe that in advance. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, our text for the series is Ephesians 5, uh, 21 through 33. We're going to read uh, this passage every single week. We're going to pick different parts of it every week. And so I'm just going to hop right in Ephesians 5, 21. It says, submit to one another. This is talking to husbands and wives. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy 
and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. A couple thoughts there we're going to keep uh, hitting from this passage. Uh, I want to start with, sometimes people get really upset with some of the way that those first handful of verses go. Uh, but that very first verse says, out of reverence for Christ, submit to one another. It all starts with mutual submission out of reverence for Christ, right? Uh, and then it says a marriage is two becoming one. It's not two separate people. It's, it's two people becoming one, having one life together. And then it says husbands... To summarize there, that last verse is, husbands, you must love your wives. Then it says, wives, respect your husbands. I just want to pause real quick. Uh, did it say, husbands, tell your wives to love you? No. And did husbands, uh, did it tell you, or I'm sorry, tell your wives to respect you? No. And then it, it didn't say, uh, wives, tell your husbands, you got to love me, right? And it was talking to the dude. It said, dude, you need to love your wife. It was talking to the lady. It said, lady, you need to respect your husband. It's there for a reason. And so I want to be clear. It's not telling each other how to do it. Out of reverence for Christ, we're going to do these things. That's where it starts. If we, if we miss that part, the rest of it doesn't matter. And so there's four common reasons that we're going through uh, for divorce in, in America. Uh, and this was a study that came out in August. Uh, and here's the, some four common reasons. It says lack of intimacy or infidelity, a lack of support. Uh, financial security, and conflict. And those are going to be our weekly themes as we look at marriage. And then we look specifically at what the Bible speaks to about each and every one of those things. Last week we looked at conflict. Uh, and today we're going to be looking at finances. You guys didn't know it, but you're walking to a money message at church. You're like, man, this is great. That's what I want to come for. No, hey, you're at church. We're talking about money. God's word actually has a lot to say about money. And that's a good thing because everyone in here wants to be good with their money. All right, can I get an amen? Who wants to be bad with their money? Like, hey, we would like to be good with money. Nobody's like, you know what, I would like to really poorly manage the money I have. Uh, God's word has great insight and wisdom uh, for money, and particularly, I want to say, in your marriage and the way that your marriage operates with money. Now, before I go any further, I, I made this distinction last, last week. I want to make this distinction again. I want to make it uh, clear that today we're going to have some very practical tools to help you with your finances. And these, these tools actually work uh, whether you're in a marriage or, or you're, you're not in a marriage, whether you're single or married, but they're just tools. And I don't want it to be, uh, I want to, just like last week, I don't want our goal to be a practical people. That's not what we're going for here. The goal is to be a spirit-led people, to be spirit-led husbands and wives. Because if we aren't careful we will be a people that are seeking tools and strategies to get results instead of trusting God and doing things his way and letting him manage the results. There's a difference there. So we need tools and strategies for our lives, for our finances, for our marriages. 
But first, we need to seek God. And as we seek him, I promise those things are going to fall into line. I love the way that it says in Proverbs eleven twenty six 26, it says, trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. See, money can't provide what God does. Seeking God leads to flourishing. And at the same time, like money, trusting your money and down you go, seeking God leads to flourishing. But at the same time, we live in this world. Like money is a part of everyone's lives. I love the way Dave Ramsey says it when he talks about dreams. He says, you can't eat dreams, right? Like groceries actually cost money. That's the tension, right? We trust God with the results, but we need something to take care of what's happening right here. I don't want to encourage you. What I want to encourage you to do is to trust God with your finances. I promise you, and his word says this, he is going to take care of your needs. Okay? And we're going to be practical now, but I, I want to make sure that these practices are not without God in the middle of it. We need to seek God first. Because without God, these practices are going to leave you wanting. Okay? Did you, did you catch that like disclaimer there? We want God before we want his results, right? Let's hop into it. Uh, the first principle I want, to want you to understand is that uh, in a marriage, uh, in a marriage, it's always our money. In a marriage, it's always our money. Right? A man leaves his, his parents, right, and he joins his wife. Two become one. Two are united in one. There is no distinction between his and hers. Not according to Scripture. Uh, there is a myth that I think is pretty common in our, our world, uh, especially in America, that in a marriage it's safer to have a his and hers bank account. And I just don't think that's the best way of operating. Again, a marriage is two people becoming one, uh, except for our money, right? Like, like, that, like think, think about how that would sound if you took vows that actually reflected that. I will take you for better and for richer. Right? But not for worse and for poor, right? That's super romantic. No, we need both. We are together in the good and the bad. We're no longer two. One life. We're together. And I think when you talk about bank accounts being separate, right, not having access to it, uh, there is a tension that is added to a relationship when it's operating this way. Uh, and it's avoided when you literally become one into a joint account. Uh, now, uh, every time I say this, like I... I always have someone who comes up to me after service and says, well, we use their paycheck to do this and mine to this. So, hey, uh, we have separate accounts for that. All right, maybe you're not sharing the exact same account. There are a million ways to set up your finances. It doesn't have to be a singular account. I just want you to know this. You both need access to all of them. It's not his money. It's not her money. It's our money. I just want to be clear about that because it sets you up for a lot of tension and a lot of stress because if you are a marriage and you are one flesh and you have united goals, but you're not a part of that, that sets up for some conflict. That sets up for some tension. In a marriage, it's our money. You are in this together. There's often another dynamic that's involved in a marriage when it comes to money. Um, and it's kind of just really related to what we just talked about too. Uh, it's the difference in what one spouse brings home versus the other. Um, think about the, the working parent versus the stay-at-home parent, right? Like dad works, mom stays home with the kids, making sure those kids stay alive and that the house doesn't get burned down from said kids, right? But there can be a tension, uh, a tension for that stay-at-home mom feeling like maybe she's not contributing. She feels like she's not enough, right? 
I don't bring anything to the table. I don't have a salary. I'm taking care of these kids. Or, or possibly it's for a working dad feeling like, I don't want that stay-at-home mom. I don't want my wife to have much control over the money because it's my money. I'm working hard for that money, right? There's a distinction. It feels like I brought this and, and she's not bringing that or vice versa, whatever it is. I want you to hear me clearly. In a marriage, it's always our money. What's yours is mine and mine is yours, for better or for worse, right? Uh, your spouse comes into marriage, and guess what? They carried some debt with them. They had some student loans, had some consumer credit, credit card debt, whatever it is. Guess what? They bring that to your marriage, you got debt too, right? For better or worse. Your, your spouse is a high performer. They are crushing it. Their salary's through the roof. Guess what? You're crushing it too, right? One flesh. No distinction because in a marriage, two have become one. It's never his or hers. It's always ours. It's always ours. Uh, another stress uh, in finances is the stress of not having enough. And I know we got people kind of all over the place here, maybe some a little further in your career, maybe some that just started, maybe you got young kids, old kids. There's a lot of things that have happened here. Uh, but you want to talk about feeling stressed in a marriage? If you've ever felt this, I don't care if this is now, uh, 20 years ago, whatever, if you've ever felt this, just, uh, just give me an amen, right? Uh, here's some stress, right? Be broke, married, have some kids. Amen, right? Broke, married, having some kids. Whew. I don't know about you, but I've certainly been there. Account's looking a little lean. You still need some diapers and some formula. That's not a great feeling. And what I think happens is uh, many people would get into a, a desperate situation like that. And we turn to God expecting, uh, there's a story in Matthew 17. We want this Matthew 17 experience. Uh, we're expecting God to provide in a crazy way. In Matthew 17, Jesus and his disciples, they've just arrived in Capernaum. And they were approached by some tax collectors who were wanting them to, to pay the piper, right? Like pay up. Uh, I feel this way every time I go check my mailbox, right? It's like, who am I going to write a bill to this time? Like, who am I writing a check to this time? Uh, and here's what Jesus tells Peter to do when the tax collectors come to him. Here's what Jesus tells Peter to do. This is what we would want in our life, right? Go down to the lake, throw in the line, open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for the both of us. You're in a bind, go fishing, catch the first fish, and then you're going to have a large silver coin in there, and it's there, right? When we are in crisis, those are the stories we want to have happen to us, right? To experience God just providing that way. Now, hey, I just want to be clear. I've experienced God move in miraculous ways. I've seen him provide things that doesn't make any sense. He's done his thing. He's shown off. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. I've never caught a fish with a coin inside of it, but I've seen God move in some pretty unexpected ways to take care of my family. But truthfully, uh, that's not the commonplace uh, in my life or anyone else's life that I know. That's not the commonplace. Might happen, but that's not how it typically happens. The truth is a lot of the times we experience more of a Proverbs 14 than a Matthew 17. Matthew 17 is you get the fish with the coin in it. Uh, Proverbs 14 says this. Work brings profit. But mere talk leads to poverty. I got some amens when I said that coin coming out of the fish said work leads to profit. I didn't hear much from y'all, right? And that's not something we like, okay? Work brings profit. Just talking leads to poverty. Sometimes, I said sometimes, I didn't say all the time. Sometimes there is a money issue 
because there has been more talk than work. Work brings profit. Uh, there are going to be seasons in your life. I just, I, there are going to be seasons. I, I, that's going to happen for everybody. Maybe you're one now. There's going to be seasons where you're going to have to work a little bit more to get by. That's okay. It's just a season. But there's a principle from Scripture. Work brings profit. Like, I'm not stepping on any of those. That's, that's in Scripture, right? We want that Matthew 17. Unfortunately, the reality for most of us is we live in that Proverbs 14. Work brings profit. Now, there's also going to be times where situations, they arise that are they're completely out of your control. You have a car breakdown. You have a medical bill that pops up. Your AC goes out. Um, somebody breaks into your car. All right, that happened to somebody this morning. Uh, and there's going to be times uh, where money is already tight. And you feel absolutely deflated because this thing has happened. Now, now there's this crisis. And then in this moment, there's, there's no way to, to pay. Like, you get, there's no way to just work your way out of it because you got that going. Like, you're in a moment of crisis. There's no way around it. That's, that's, those things are going to happen, those unexpected things. I want you to think about it this way. If you're not in an emergency or a crisis right now, what if you prepared for before it, before it, before it happened? What if you set money aside now and got ready for it? There's another principle from Proverbs. It's Proverbs 21.20. It says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Mm. This is a fun message. I know you guys like talking about money and saving. I can see it on your faces. You're excited right now. Hey, there's a principle, though. The wise, they store up. They prepare. But it says, fools gulp all theirs down. It's wise to set aside money to be prepared for the day when you will need it. Uh, just like you need a rainy day fund, you need an emergency fund, an obstacles fund, whatever you want to call it. When you have money set aside for an emergency, uh, what happens is this. Uh, it's going to happen, right? The emergency is going to happen. You're going to have an unexpected bill. Something's going to come up. And when you have that money there, it's no longer an emergency. It's an inconvenience. I don't know if you ever had that happen. I know that happened to Kelsey and I once. We had a big bill. I can't remember um, what exactly it was. It was, like, it was a car issue. And it was like, hey, you're going to pay $1,000. And I was like, I don't want to pay it. Like, like, I don't want to pay that. Like, I don't want to do it. I wasn't expecting on doing this. I mean, who's been there where you have something come up like that? And you're like, this sucks. Right? All right? But we did premarital counseling. And this, guy, this old guy, my professor, was like, you need to save some money every single paycheck. And we listened to him, right? And we had to come pay that bill. And it was like, you know what, we had the money to do it. Not because we did anything crazy, but because it was sitting there. Uh, you need to prepare for emergencies before they happen. You need to save a portion of your income every time you get paid so that you have the margin to set up this emergency fund. Uh, you might be saying, hey, I just, I can't afford to save anything. Like I, I've been in those seasons where it's like, I can't afford to save anything. Uh, just hear me out. I'm telling you, you can't afford not to. Life's going to happen. Right, you need to put something aside. The stress of not having uh, enough, uh, enough money can be huge. Uh, but if you work and prepare, work brings profit. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to go away instantly, but the more you do that, it will get easier. It's going to get easier. And here, here's another principle I want you to know. I'm kind of shifting gears here. But 
where you spend your money is what you value. Where you spend your money is what you value. If you were to give, the kids are being really loud right now. If I can hear them up on stage, I know you can too. I'm thankful that we've got amazing kids volunteers taking care of all of them, right? Can we give them? I saw all y'all side-eyeing over there like, man, I hear them kids over there. It's all right. We're happy the kids are here. Where you spend your money is what you value. Uh, if you were to give uh, your bank statement from the past 30 days, say, hey, give it to a complete stranger or give it to a strange, uh, somebody you don't know, give it to a banker and say, hey, uh, what's the most important to this person? And they were to say, based off of what you spent money on, what is the most important to this person? They value Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> uh, they value youth sports. Uh, they value their home. That's a big, that's a big payment. Uh, they value their kids. They value education, whatever it might be. If they were to look at your finances, what would they say you value? Because this is true for each and every person. You spend your money on what you value. There's no way around it. Now, if I was to just ask you, like put the bank statements aside, just to ask you, what do you value? What's important to you? And then we get answers like my spouse, my family, my church, my kids' education. And, and we get these things that we would say, but my, I really just want you to be curious and think about this for yourself. We're not thinking about anybody else. What's the gap between what we say we value and what our money actually shows? The gap between our words and our actions. Because it doesn't matter what you say you value. The things that you actually do show what you value. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you can say one thing, but if it's not matching up over here, it doesn't really matter. And so what I want to encourage everyone here to do is take a look at your finances, where you're sending your money. Married people, you need to do this uh, because you are on a team. You're not two, you're one. Because if you aren't intentionally saying as a marriage, as, a, as one flesh, we value these things, somebody else will. And it's not going to be your values, it will be their values. And as you look at your house's finances, there's going to be a lot to consider. Like I just felt for me, like as I was preparing this message, like sometimes I don't want to prepare messages because I know it's going to hit home just as much as it's going to hit out there. Like I know God's working in my life. And as you look at your house's finances, there's going to be some stuff that you got to consider. Like, uh, can we save more? Do we need to go more to retirement? What about the kids' future? How long are we staying on this house? We need to save money for a down payment on that house. What, what are we going to do? You need to get together with your spouse. Maybe if you're single, you need to do this to get your, get your house in order before that time comes. Look at where you're spending your money. Say, I value these. Where's the gap there and how do I need to recorrect? And I want you to take one moment and just to ask, where does God fit into this? If we spend all our money on actual values, like we don't say we value something and then uh, put it over here. Like we can say we value something, but we really value something if we spend our time and our money on it. If we planned on that, we are trying to intentionally tell our money where to go. Shouldn't God be a part of that equation? I'm talking to people that are at church on Sunday morning, right? 
If we value our relationship with God, shouldn't that be apart from the conversation? Uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 20 says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth uh, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. What do you value? What's important to you? You can say one thing, but where we're actually spending our time and our money, that's the other thing. I want you to, to plan and, and to take care of your family, to be wise, to prepare for the future, to create margin. We don't want to spend to impress others. Use money with a purpose. Money's a part of life, and we need to steward it well. I want you to remember one thing. The scoreboard is in heaven. The scoreboard is in heaven. It's never in your net worth. That's not the scoreboard. The scoreboard's in heaven. Store your treasures in heaven. Nothing can take those away. Buying stock in heaven is like one of the ultimate returns. It's the best investment. It never dips in value. Uh, it's never, not going to do anything but go up. say we have a relationship with God, if we say we value Him, shouldn't that affect the way we use our wallet? And a lot of you guys are thinking, man, I'm at the church, he's talking about giving to God. He's like, I know you want to get to this church. I just want to talk to you about being generous. Because generosity, uh, yes, I do believe we should tithe. I think that's a part of the Christian walk. But I want to talk to you guys about just being Generous. Being generous to the people around us. It says this in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. It says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You each must decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Be generous. Uh, when it comes to your finances, are you looking for ways to be generous? Now, I just want to be clear. Generosity is different for everybody. Uh, generosity for some could be uh, donating $20 to a kid's fundraiser outside of Walmart. Like, you might feel that. Uh, generosity for somebody else might be $10,000 to a nonprofit. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. It's about how generous you are with what God has given you. Plant generously, get a generous crop. Plant sparingly, you're going to get a small crop. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was approached by a teenager. He plays basketball with us up in the mornings. He was like, hey, I need some help. Y'all, can you support? And he put on the group me, and it's like, hey, uh, we're trying to raise money for Mustang basketball. Can I just, I'm going to be honest with you. This is, I'm, my cards are up here. My gut reaction was, nope. I ain't doing that. And then somebody else was like, yeah, I'll do this. <sighs> my immediate no God ended up using to get me to support the Mustang High School basketball team, all right? All right. Uh, I graduated from UConn, right? Those are the rivals, right? This isn't supposed to happen like that. Uh, uh, but 
because I had such a strong response to the no, I felt like the Holy Spirit was tugging on my heart. He was pulling me. And the phrase God was put in my heart was, <clears throat> excuse me, am I looking for ways to be generous? Am I looking for ways to be generous? Am I looking for ways to be generous? Or am I looking for ways to be stingy? Like, just to be honest, I came up with about a million reasons why I was like, no, nah, they don't need it. I ain't going to do that. It ain't about me. Uh, now, that kid honestly could have just taken that cash and gone straight to the Nike outlet. <laughs> That's not my point. The point is this. If God leads you to a moment where you can be generous, I didn't say there was pressure on you. It says don't respond to pressure. But if God leads you to a moment where you can be generous and we're being spirit-led, do it. generous and I just I just believe that if as you're generous you're going to get generosity right back to you um, I'm going to share a story but before I do like it's it's a I'm not the hero in here God's just been working on my heart um, and so this past week we had fantasy basketball draft we went to hideaway all right dude stuff I know you ladies like I don't care about your fantasy basketball draft uh, but we went there, and we all split this big meal, and we were there for, like, an hour and a half. There was, like, ten of us. There was a lot of people. It was obviously pretty stressful for that server. And, uh, like, I was like, man, I just need to leave this lady a big tip. Like, there's all these people here. I'm a pastor. I want to take care of people. I don't, like, I just felt like I wanted to do it. And so I'm always, like, going to take care of her. I don't want the church to be viewed in a bad light because we're not tipping <laughs> what we should. All right? Take care of people. And I was getting right down, and just felt God told me, that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough. It's like, God, this is just a lunch, right? I mean, like, come on, it's just me. <laughs> I don't need to do any more than that. Um, and uh, I actually got a notification from Capital One this morning. It said, was this real? Did you tip this percentage for this? We just want to make sure this isn't a scam, all right? And uh, I've gotten it wrong so many times, so please don't hear me say this. Let's puff myself up. But when we're obedient... I believe God's going to use that. He's going he's gonna to change that girl's life. I believe that that person needed that. Not because of anything that I did, because God is moving. And if God led me to do that, I'm going to trust him with the results. It's not, a, it's not about me. It's not about you. Are you looking for ways to be generous? Are you looking for ways to keep it to yourself? That first uh, verse from Proverbs we read, uh, trust in money and down it will go. Trusting in God leads to flourishing. What are you putting your trust in? Are you putting your trust in your finances? Are you putting your trust in God? Just to recap some of the stuff we've talked about. It's in a marriage, it's always our money. Work brings profit. I know that was y'all's least favorite point. Work brings profit. It's just the way it is. You spend on what you value. You spend your time, you spend your money on what you value. Be generous. And this week, uh, I want you as a couple to sit down and to look at your finances. To look at where uh, money's going, look at what's coming in, the things you want to accomplish in your marriage. And then uh, as you set those goals, I want you to set a course for how to get those. And what I want you to do is I want you to take your little journal, I want you to write those goals in the back. The goals and, and the next steps 
Uh, and I want you to make sure that you're setting the values before you have the money. Just like you set aside that money for that rainy day because you know it's coming, I want you to set aside, these are the things that I need to do. These are the values that we have as a family, and this is where we're going. And the last thing I want you to do is to be generous. Get together, look at your finances, set some values, set some goals. As you walk, be generous. I believe that part of that's given to a church or a mission of seeing people that know Jesus, right? We just don't need to come together and together. There's, there's work to be done. And part of following Jesus is giving to the mission. But I want to be clear here. What I'm telling you to do is being generous is more than just tithing to a church. I want to be somebody who's looking for more ways to be generous. Most of our world, most of our society is looking for ways to cut corners and to save a buck. What if followers of Jesus were looking for ways to be generous? What if we were so generous that it made people ask questions because they don't understand it? Like, why are you doing this? Why, why would you tip so much? Why would you do that for somebody? Why would you give that to somebody? Why are you so generous? And, and that our answer as Jesus followers is simple. Because Jesus was generous with us. He gave us everything, and without him, we have nothing. He gave it all for us. He hung on a cross and died so we could have salvation, and we didn't do anything to deserve that kind of love. Because of his generosity to us, we need to be generous to those some of you guys in here, that's with your money. Like, just being real like that, that's, you need to be generous with that. Some of you guys, it's, it's tithing. You need to be generous with your time and your words to sow into others. They need that from you. Let's not be a people that look for ways to be stingy. Let's be a church. Let's be a body that looks 